just uh, really taking a look at the new covenant in a deeper um, and clearer light concerning what God has done for us and and really um, just understanding that it really is all about Jesus and that uh, what he finished on the cross was a finished work and all of his perfect obedience has been set to our account. And um, when you understand that, that your standing, you know, is not based on you or your conduct or the things that you've done right or the things that you've done wrong, but your standing is based in, in Jesus and His finished work, um, it, brings a, it brings a fresh confidence into your life uh, concerning your standing with the Lord. And the enemy is always going to try um, to attack your place of confidence in your relationship with the Lord because if the enemy can somehow convince you that God's against you or that God is not for you, um, then it's really going to be difficult uh, to take a stand for the promises in the midst of the fight of faith. And, uh, but when we remove the human element out of it, and we start to realize that it's what he did and not what we did, then um, there's just a confidence that starts to arise in our hearts. And, you know, the old covenant was uh, based in, in, in man's strength and man's ability to obey and man's ability to keep the commandments. And, and uh, their standing was based upon their ability to do that. And the Bible says that God found fault with that covenant. And the reason that God found fault with that covenant is because there was a weak link in that covenant, and that weak link was us. Because when we did right, God could bless us. When we did wrong, uh, then the curse came. And so um, it kind of tied God's hands to really implement the way that He really likes to bring repentance, which is through His goodness. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And, you know, when you are making a decision to change and to turn towards God, based upon His goodness, not based upon <clears throat> fear of repercussion or fear of disobedience or even, even reward when it's actually out of a place of experiencing the goodness of God when you don't deserve it. Um, it does something unique to your heart in that it, it woos your heart and causes you to fall in love with Jesus. You know, of course, examples of that, prodigal son experiencing the goodness of the Father in the midst of his disobedience causes him to fall in love with the Father Mary Magdalene, uh, you know, of course, you know, made all kinds of mistakes, but her experiencing the goodness of Jesus in the midst of her mistakes wooed her heart, caused her to fall in love. Peter, after his fall and denial of the Lord three times, uh, him still experiencing the goodness of God in the midst of his mistakes wooed his heart. And uh, so much of the world is after, you know, your, your perfect obedience on the outside, but what God is after is your heart. And... Um, when, 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 when you experience His goodness in the midst of your own failure, it does something unique to your heart. We see it in Zacchaeus' life. We see Zacchaeus repent and uh, you know, give half his goods to the poor and you know, seven times anybody that he stole from just because Jesus honored him and came to his house and ate. Um, we, we see just the beauty of what happens when a heart is impacted with grace, and it's life-changing. And so we find out in the New Covenant that, that that's the way God set things. God's actually removed the weak link. And in this covenant, God actually didn't cut the New Covenant with us. God cut the New Covenant with Jesus. 
And um, he loved us enough to present us in Christ. And so when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and you step into Christ, um, you have that new covenant presented to you in, in Jesus. And so what we started finding out is um, that the obedience of Jesus has been set to our account. And the obedience of Jesus is a powerful thing. And so we get what Jesus deserves. Amen. That's the primary portion of the new covenant. Now, it doesn't mean there's not repercussion, uh, you know, for our actions. You know, when we make mistakes on this planet, uh, when we mess things up in terms of people and relationships, you know, there's going to be repercussions. Those repercussions don't come from God. Those repercussions come from the product of our own decisions. The Bible says that he that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And so there is accountability for our behavior. We never want to get rid of that. But here's the thing. On your worst day, on your darkest night, and your greatest challenge, God's still for you. Amen? He's still on your team, and He's still on your side. So you're not going to mess up God's heart towards you. You're not going to mess up God's favor towards you. That's not going to happen. And so that's what the new covenant brings into our lives. And so we get what Jesus deserves. Amen? And uh, it's a very powerful thing, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's an awesome thing. And so what we actually looked at last week was the impact that that reality had on um, just the warfare that we deal with. How many know that there's still a fight of faith? Amen? And, uh, you know, the war is won in the sense that Jesus finished the work on the cross. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave. He conquered sin. Uh, he beat that. The Bible says that he stripped the enemy of all of his power and made a show of him openly. And so the devil himself and, and his system has been spoiled, has been destroyed, and the war is over. But there is still a fight of faith, and the fight of faith is to believe that the cross was an absolute victory. And how many know that when you believe, you enter into a place of rest? I don't know about you guys, but... You know, we, we've all had an opportunity to fight some battles this past year, right? Uh, many of us have, have had a lot of battles that we had to fight, and there were a lot of challenges. And uh, I thank God that I knew the things that I knew. I thank God I had a relationship with the Lord, and I could go to Him. And, you know, I wasn't just on my own or just, you know, just putting all my trust in the government or putting my trust in scientists or putting my trust in anything. I put my trust in the Lord, and... The Lord helped us walk through that, uh, but there are battles, and the battle is to believe that the work was finished, and then when you're in a place of believing, when you're in a place of faith, there's going to enter into your heart a place of rest, a place of confidence, and so that's what we want, and so there is still an element of battle, and so last time we were together, uh, last Sunday, we looked at weaponizing the obedience of Christ, and um, you know that, that, uh, that passage of Scripture there in 2 Corinthians um, man, it's just absolutely just astonishing. I mean, just I had never read that passage in that light before, and uh, it's just awesome. I preached for two hours last Sunday. Like I would never do that. I don't want. I don't endeavor to do that. I would never set that as a goal. The heart can't handle what the butt can't handle. You know what I'm saying? Once you once once your butt taps out and your attention is gone, I don't care how much somebody preached at you. You're not really going to be receiving it. So. I try not to preach two hours. I couldn't believe that I preached two hours. Um, but we have gotten so much feedback online from that sermon. I mean, people have just been powerfully impacted by it. And so it's been a real blessing to people. It's been a real blessing to me. You know, I don't, I don't want to, to share something 
with you that I don't have operative in my own life. I want to share with you out of my own relationship. And, uh, you know, this, this way of, of handling the enemy's lies, um, it's really revolutionary because, once again, it removes the weak link. It removes us out of the way uh, because, you know, how many know our, our battle, how many know we're not, we're not called to fight the enemy from a place of trying to get victory we're called to take a stand in the victory that's already been given to us. Um, man, as far as spirit, you know, we, there's been a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare down through the years, and I've actually had a lot of feedback from people online about this as well. Um, you know, when you're doing spiritual warfare without the reality of the cross, then you're going to be spending all your time trying to fight every devil on the planet, and you're going to be wore out, devil-focused, and you're going to have no peace. And the enemy is going to be joyful because he lured you into fighting in the flesh. And uh, we don't want that. We want, to, we want to inhabit that place of victory that the cross has given us. And yes, there is a battle, but you're warring from a place of peace. You know? And the example that I like to give, because I think it makes it so clear, you, know, you, you take a, a, a two-year-old, and you come up to that two-year-old and, you know, you take their nose. You know, everybody's familiar with that. I got your nose, you know. And uh, you can make a two-year-old extremely distraught and upset and angry over taking their nose, right? I mean, they can just lose it. We've had it happen in our house on multiple occasions with our three-year-old. And, um, uh, but, not, but, but once the two-year-old realizes that no one can actually take their nose, then there's no battle that's there, you know? Like if I were to come up to Stacy and be like, I got your nose, she's not going to cry and get upset and get mad at me because she knows that she's got her nose, right? Well, the enemy will try to come up to you and say, I've got your righteousness, I've got your healing, I've got your financial provision, God doesn't love you, God's not for you, you're not right with God, you're not forgiven, all of these things trying to make you think that he's stolen them from you but here's the reality. He can't take from you what God has given to you. He cannot take your standing away from you. Your righteousness is an eternal righteousness. And, you know, it's been given you as a gift. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and you're born again, you know, you are now joined as one spirit with the Lord. You are now united to Jesus. You are now in the body of Christ. And the thing I like to always say, you know, is there anything wicked in Jesus? No. Is there anything twisted in Jesus? No. Is there anything bad in Jesus? No. Well, where are you in Jesus? And so that means that you are good because God has made you good. And your standing with God is not something that can be taken away from you. But how many know if you believe that your standing with God can be taken away from you, just like the two-year-old in the nose, how many know you can totally freak out and enter into a time of great turmoil and depression and trouble because you think God's against you. Anybody ever th thought that God was against you before? It is an awful feeling. Like, I would dare say it's probably the worst feeling on earth. You know, it's one thing to get in trouble with the law. It's another thing to get in trouble with, you know, to think that God is against you, right? And, you know, unfortunately, I spent a good portion of my Christianity thinking sometimes God was for me, sometimes God was against me, and it was all based on me. You know, if I, if I went to church enough, if I gave enough, if I tithed enough, if I witnessed enough, if I evangelized enough, if I did enough, then God would be for me for that Sunday. 
you know, then the next week I'd have to start it all over again to try to prove my worth and try to prove that God was for me. Well, what it did was it never caused me to be a champion. It never caused me to be an overcomer. Uh, what it did was it, it, it left me just crippled with insecurity and fear, um, just expecting the judgment of God. And, um, and, and so it just, and the enemy loves to lure you into that type of, of fight to try to get you to establish your own righteousness. He's always trying to do that. He's always trying to get you to, to establish your worth. You ever been in a relationship where you're trying to establish your worth? How I many of you know that relationship is not a rest? There's no rest in that type of relationship. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be good enough. I'm trying to be worthy. I'm trying to be this. I'm trying to be that. And, and in a relationship like that, how I many you know you can never really be yourself because you never feel like you're good enough? And so what you do is you spend all your time painting this nice, neat little mask, pretending you're something you're not, to try to get worth and acceptance that you don't have. And so in that relationship, you know, relationships should bring rest. They should bring a sense of refreshing. Church should do the same thing. When we come together, you know, you should walk out more at peace than what you walked in. You should walk out more confident in God and in, and in the love of God than when you walked in. And true relationship and fellowship should be a refreshing, it shouldn't tear you down. And, and, and so much of the time in, in church, we haven't enjoyed that. And so much of the time, you know, people have had relationships like that where you're always trying to prove your worth. Well, how I many you know Jesus came and said, I love you just the way you are? He found you just the way you are. I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person. He came to me and, and loved me just the way I was. Amen. I didn't have to do anything for him. I didn't have to jump through hoops. I didn't have to pretend I was something that I wasn't. He loved me just the way I was, brought rest into my soul, brought salvation into my life. And, and that the way we begin in grace, we run our race in grace, and we end in grace. This is all God's kindness. This is all God's goodness. This was God's idea to love you. It was God's idea to save you. And the more we can focus on that and realize that, we'll remove the weak link out, and we won't have the enemy sucker us into fighting him in the flesh, trying to establish our worth, trying to establish our righteousness before God. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't bring anything to God that was of any worth. Like I really didn't. I personally did not, you know. And, um, and so the more you realize, and he loved you just that, he loved me just that way, right? Well, it's still like that now. And a lot of times what happens is we begin in grace, but then we're, we're, we're taught out of that place of grace and we're brought into this kind of performance trap <clears throat> where we're trying to prove our worth to God and we're trying to prove our worth to people. And all it does is create a mask that we hide behind. We're actually very lonely behind that mask. And then we actually can't enjoy fellowship with other people because Christian fellowship doesn't become a heart-to-heart -heart sharing of realness and weakness and genuineness and authenticity. It becomes a mask-clinking competition. You know what I'm saying? I'm awesome. No, I'm awesome. Well, I'm awesome because I've done this. Well, I'm awesome because I've done that. You know, it's like, you know, I just, my days of being around that are just over. Like, I just, I don't want to hear about how awesome you are. I don't want to hear about how awesome your church is or your, or your ministry is or your gifting is or your morality is. Tell me about Jesus. Paul said, him we preach. I mean, we didn't come here preaching Jeremiah Johnson this morning. We came here to preach Jesus Christ. Can I get an Amen. We didn't come here to focus on you guys. We didn't come here to focus on me. We come here to focus on Him because the victory is in Him. 
And so what the new covenant does is it, it allows you to realize that you don't have to prove your worth to God. You don't have to prove your worthiness to God. You have to realize that Jesus was enough. Jesus was worthy. You are now hidden in Christ. And now you have a safe, eternal location of righteousness in the Son of God that's not going to be taken away from you. Now, uh, how many know that is how you get to heaven? Can I get an amen? Jesus is the ark. Jesus is the, the salvation. We receive Jesus, right? But also, how many know it's also how you bring some heaven into your life? It's how you bring, and the Bible says that we can have days of heaven. You know, you can bring some heaven into your marriage, into your relationships, into the health of your body, into your finances, into your children, into the peace of your heart. Uh, so many things. This is a narrow path of life. Broad is the way of destruction, narrow is the path of life. That narrow path is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through Jesus. And the more you can recognize your wall-to-wall Jesus, you're surrounded by Jesus. The enemy may come. He has nothing in you. Don't let the devil convince you that he stole your nose. Amen? Such a simple little analogy, isn't it? But it's, it helps make it real to us and help us to understand. Don't let him sucker you into a place of unrest and, and allow yourself to be established in Jesus' righteousness so that you'll have a boldness, so that you'll have a confidence on your good days and on your bad days. The more you develop in this, the more you're going to realize that you can have the same expectancy of the goodness of God on your bad days as you can on your good days. See, in legalism, I was always taught if I had my prayer time, if I had my word time, if I had my, my T's cross and my eyes dotted, then this day I can expect the goodness of God. And so what that meant was my entire focus was on me. It actually wasn't on the Lord at all. When I did well, I could be confident towards God. When I did not do well, I could not be confident towards God. And so really my Christianity wasn't like this relationship with God. It was a relationship with me. It was how good I was, how great I am, right? And on my good days, I'd get arrogant and think I was better than other people. And on my bad days, I'd be dejected and condemned and, and, and feel awful and the enemy would eat my lunch. But God has, he's got a better covenant. How I many you know this is a better covenant established on better promises? Can I get an amen? And what makes this covenant so good is it, once again, it removes the weak link. It's not about us. And so what we find is that the covenant is with Jesus. And Jesus has a perfect obedience. We are now in Christ. That means you can expect the goodness of God on your bad days. Come on. I'm talking about the blessing of the Lord on your bad days. Now, I know that's difficult to do. I'm not going to act like it's not a challenge to do because everywhere in this world, how I many you know we're rewarded according to our performance? Everywhere. You know, sports, school, you know, job, relationships, you know, many times, all these things. But in God's kingdom, it's actually not like that. God says, I want to be good to you. How good will you allow me to be to you? You know what I'm saying? How good will you allow me to be to you? How much do you deserve? You know, and, and, if, you're, and if you're trying to come to the Lord based on what you deserve, how I many of you got this little thimble that's got a hole in it? Trying to get the goodness of God. I mean, but when we understand that, that you actually get what Jesus deserves, because Jesus got what you deserved on the cross. I mean, you know, it was the great exchange, right? And so as your heart gets established in grace, 
you can develop a boldness in the goodness of God, and you can expect good when, when you've messed up. And, 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 and it's amazing. It's just amazing. There's nothing like it on earth. There's nowhere in the world where it's like this. There's nowhere else in the world. This is the only place where things are by grace. And so because of that, we have to hear it regularly. We have to renew our minds to it. We have to get our hearts established in grace so that we can develop an expectancy of good, right? Now, here's the thing. And, and that type of lifestyle is not going to lead us down a pathway of licentiousness and disobedience and allowing sin to have dominion over our lives and taking advantage of the grace of God. No, no, no. The Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads you to change. You know, I think the prodigal son, when the kindness of the father was shown to him, I don't believe that he went straight out and rebelled again immediately. He realized it's better in my father's house than it is on the streets. It's better with my father than it is anywhere else. Amen? And so as that reality gets down into our hearts, it causes a faithfulness to arise out of us that we are faithful towards God, we're faithful towards each other because God has placed His faithfulness on the inside of us. Amen? The Bible says that sin will not have dominion over you for you are no longer under the law, but you are now under grace. And so God starts to, to make this thing man-proof where we can't mess it up but how many know we could not enjoy what's been provided? You know, I spent many years under condemnation as, as the product of what I listened to from pulpits. And so I lived in condemnation, and condemnation brings death, and I didn't have faith towards God, and I worked harder, and I tried harder, and I did more, but the whole time I was actually digging a hole in my faith because I was basing it upon me. The law voids faith. Everything you receive from God is not a paycheck that you earn. How I many know it's a gift? When it's a gift, can't take credit for it. When it's a gift, you, you, you're not the one that can mess it up. All the thing you can do is receive what God's given you and say thank you. That's it. Becomes a relationship of gratitude, right? And so this is a new covenant, but 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 what I feel like the Lord is real. Let's let's turn. Did you guys turn to Ephesians chapter six yet? Um, what I want to do is I want to bring this reality of this covenant over to us in the place of, of warfare and battle because there are still battles, right? Now, your battles, um, how many know if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, your spirit is born again, okay? That's not going to be taken away from you. So the war is over in here, but how many know the battle's here? This is the battle right here. And so if you, can, if you can master this six inches right here, then it's going to have tremendous impact on what's outside. The enemy's been kicked out of the realm of the Spirit. He has no authority over a, a child of God who's born again. He has no authority over somebody's spirit. But what he can do, and what we're talking about here in, in the position of battle, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, he says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Everybody say fiery darts. Now, so what a fiery dart is, is the enemy has the ability to shoot something into the mind, a thought. You ever had temptation come out of nowhere before? Just a thought out of nowhere. You know what I'm saying? And what you have to understand is that every thought that comes into your mind is not yours. 
So important to understand that because if you don't understand that, then you're going to think you're going to secretly think you're crazy. Seriously, like you're like I'm crazy, but nobody knows. So I'm going to try to keep it real, and so nobody knows. But if you think every thought that comes into your mind is yours, then 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 honestly, you're, you'll think that you're crazy. But the enemy has the ability to shoot these fiery darts, which is to, to bring in a temptation, an accusation, whatever he can, because what he's trying to do is he's trying to take that thought and he's trying to sow it, sow it as a seed into your life. And how many know if you continue to think on that thought and think on that thought, how many know no one just wakes up one day and kills somebody? How many know it's a process? That person has thought about it and thought about it, thought about it, maybe fantasized about it, imagined it, visualized it, thought about it, then how many know that seed of that lie, that fiery dart, can conceive and bring forth death according to the book of James? And so that's what the enemy tries to do. He's always trying to sow some seed into your mind to bring forth death. And so what you have to realize, once again, not every thought that comes into your mind is yours, and you have the power and the ability to take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Amen? You know, this year, one of the things I've been doing is having, getting my lawn treated uh, with uh, weed killer and stuff like that this year. You know, because I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm, all my neighbors take care of their yards, like hardcore. Like, the, most of these guys are like retired, and this is what they do. And so it's like PGA golf course grass, PGA golf course grass, and, and I look like we're, you know, coming out of a village in Cambodia in South America. You know, we got all kinds of stuff growing in my yard, right? But this year I decided, no, we're not doing that. We're going we're gonna to attack these weeds, and we're going to take authority over these weeds and all that, right? So how many know if you don't do anything, weeds will dominate? If you don't do anything here, weeds will dominate. You have to purposefully... And this is the fight of faith. This is the war. You have to purposefully remove and cast down thoughts and imaginations that would try to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And they could be temptation. They could be condemnation. Um, they could be fear. They could be worry. They could be all these different things. But the enemy is constantly bombarding with fiery darts. And if we don't do something about it, how I many you know your mind... Um, it is your garden. It's the Garden of Eden, right? Your mind is your garden, and what you plant in that garden is going to grow. Amen? How many know if you take a child and you send them here, and all you tell them is that they're stupid, and they're bad, and they're no good, and they're ugly, and that's all you sow into them, how many know that child is going to bring forth a harvest of a bad self-image because they're going to believe those words that you're, that you're speaking over their lives, right? And so we, as believers, we have to recognize that that not everything deserves to occupy your headspace. I mean, you know, you got to kick some things out of your mind. You do. And, 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 I'll, and I'll take it, and, and, and I feel like social media can kind of compound this a little bit because, you know, we went through a pretty strenuous season, but it wasn't just strenuous in what was going on outwardly. How many of it was strenuous on social media as well? You know, if, if what, what are you talking about, Jeremiah? See, if you're constantly thinking, there, there are some things, like me and Brian talk about this all the time, there's some things I'm just not going to talk about. I won't talk about it, I won't think about it, because I can't change it, you know? And so, like, I'm not going to allow 
another human being to occupy space in my mind that's disrupting my peace. Like, you know, there's some, you know, some folks that, you know, kind of going down the wrong path, you know, doctrinally and embracing some things that really aren't scriptural at all. And so, like, I, 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 I can't change that person. I can't make them. I mean, you can't make anybody believe anything. But what I can do is, is not sit there and ruminate on it and think about it all the time to where it poisons my mind. So, so I'm, 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 what you do have power of is what you focus on. You have the ability to choose what you're focusing on. You know, and during that season that, you know, that we went through, how I many you know there's some social media stuff that you probably had to, 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 to step away from? Maybe some news that maybe you had to step away from. Maybe some ideas and concepts, you know, you had to step away. Why? For your own peace. For your own peace. You know, God didn't create you to live in a constant state of being worried. It's not good for you. It's not good for you emotionally. It's not good for you physically. If worry is dominating your mind, then it's going to impact you in every single way. Fear is the same way. Fear is just a different form of worry. And, and the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And that doesn't mean that, you know, like we're going to, you know, remove the devil's guest room out of our home. I'm sorry, you can't live here. You know, you got to leave. What it means is don't give any place here. Amen. You know, and, and, and the same for worry and fear could be said for anger. You know, you can live angry. And I preached a lot on that during that period of time because there were so many awful things that were happening and so many people were offended that if you wanted to, you could stay angry. You could live angry. Now listen, there is a place of righteous indignation. You need to take a stand for truth and all of that. I'm not telling you to compromise what you believe. But what I am saying is God did not call you to live mad. And if, you are, if you're living mad or you're living worried, you can't compartmentalize that and keep that in one spot. How many know you can't compartmentalize fire? Wait till about Jeremiah. How many know if I strike a match, and I have matches this morning, I strike a match and I, because we're going to pass them out and do something with them, and I drop the match in the floor and the fire's in the floor, how many of y'all be like, oh, it's okay, guys, it's just right here. It's just right here in the floor, it's going to be fine. How many know you can't contain fire? It's going to spread. How many know you can't contain anger? It's going to spread. How many know you can't contain offense? It's going to spread. You can't contain fear? It's going to spread. And so you got it. You got it. If, if there was a small fire in the floor, how many know we would all work together to put it out? Because we know if we don't, we're going to have a problem. And so if there is a... Notice it says the fiery darts of the wicked one. See, in the day and times that they lived in, they wouldn't just shoot arrows, they would shoot fiery arrows. They'd set an arrow on fire and they'd shoot it. And man, if that arrow were to hit a garrison, then it wasn't just the impact of the arrow that would cause damage. That fire would grow. And man, they'd set a whole city on fire in a drop of a hat. That was just a part of their warfare, right? The enemy's trying to shoot a lie into your mind to start a fire that you can't contain. It might be a fear-based fire, a worry-based fire. It might be an um, anger-based fire. How I many you know it can be a, a temptation-based fire? You know? How I many you know temptation? Someone just doesn't wake up one morning and commit adultery. How I many you know that's something that, that happens over time? Somebody just doesn't wake up one morning and just beat somebody up. That's something that happens over, over time, right? And so what we want to do is we want to be good stewards of our mind. We want to be good stewards 
of our thoughts and we want to make sure that we're not allowing the enemy to start fires in our minds that's going to impact other, other areas. Amen? We want to take authority over that. We want to cast that out. We want to get rid of it. You know, just like me with my lawn, you know, I'm there, I'm weedless right now, you know, because we're, we're, we're hitting the weeds. And, and, and how many know it never ends? Like weeds never stop growing. Like it'd be great if they took some time off. But they, in the wintertime, thanks Dan, that's, that's an encouragement right there, you're right. Like, man, is there anything a dandelion can't grow in? Like, dandelions are amazing things. Like, like, you know, I could walk out and if hit weed kill in the cracks in my driveway one day or whatever, and like three or four days later, there's some fresh weeds out there growing. And they've grown overnight, and there they are. And so you got to, there's, there's a vigilance that has to be maintained here. How many of the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind? You do not want the devil's, Thoughts reproducing in your life. How I many of you know loins is the place of reproduction, right? Nothing happens until you think about it. Nothing. You have to think about it first. And many times you vis- you're visualizing it, you're seeing it happen. Have you ever been so mad at somebody that you just visualize whooping them? I have. And I'm a preacher, praise God. I visualize, you know, I visualize whooping referees at basketball games, and you know, I mean, it's not cool, it's not good, it's not who I am. I'm a man of peace, but how many know the enemy will partner with the challenges in your life to try to cause you to be something that you're not? You know what I'm saying? Like we were, we were. I was watching Ethan play basketball. He's in a basketball tournament this week, and Stacy hasn't been able to come with me as much because of the babies and stuff like that. Say babies plural, amen. And, um, and so we're there, and I'm getting mad at the refs, right? You know, I'm getting mad at the refs, and I'm letting them know a little bit, you know, and, and uh, I'm loud. You know, God created me loud. I am loud. Like, I can fill up an entire uh, gymnasium with my voice, and, um, and <laughs> for good or bad, praise God. And then, and then I felt myself step over the line a little bit towards the refs, and, 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 then, and then I got a little down here, like, uh-uh, and, and, and I, I turned over to the parents that were near me. I was like, if, I said, I need my wife here because she'd keep me in check. <laughs> she'd pull me back a little bit, and i calm down, you know, et cetera. It's okay to yell out encouragement to the kids. It's not okay to uh, yell at the rest. So anyway, blah, 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 there's my dirty laundry. That's what I went through this weekend. Uh, but it wasn't too bad. I got myself back in order. But how I many you know if you don't stay on this stuff, it's just gone? You see how many people are killing each other in traffic these days? Like all the time, like you, I mean, like everywhere, road rage, this road rage, that road rage. That's not something that happens in a moment of time. An individual has had an opportunity to think about it, to meditate it, to consider it. He's picking up fried chicken. It's all good. He's not, he's not offended. Uh, we're eating fried chicken after church. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, but, but they've had time to think about it. And so what we have to do is we have to recognize, how many know you're not alone in the fight of faith. You have help. Amen? And, and your help is the Lord. And what we want to do, what, what we don't want to do, once again, like I was sharing earlier, we don't want to allow the enemy to sucker us into fighting in the flesh. We want to make sure that we're fighting in the Spirit. So let's, let's turn back to that passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
So we want to know how to deal with the fiery darts. We want to know how to deal with these errant thoughts. We want to know how to, to, to take care of that. And then I'll, I'll take it a step further. How many know not only can the enemy try to shoot thoughts, how many know the enemy can hit you with feelings? And sometimes I almost think those are worse. Because, you know, a thought is one thing, but man, you ever just felt a certain way? See, what you have to understand, and, and I say this all the time, but it's so important to remember, what you feel is not always what's real. Your feelings are not a great indicator of reality. Now, um, now I'm not saying that, you know, I came out of the school of thought in Christianity where we kind of downplayed feelings and, you know, we were all trying to be Spock and trying to be emotionless and <laughs> mighty faith people. And, you know, I don't agree with that thought process either. How many of you know feelings are from God? How many of you know feelings will help you enjoy life? Amen. And if you look at, at, at God, how many of you know God has emotions and he feels and we see it in scripture like he, he feels very passionately and very strongly. So feelings in and of themselves are not bad and not evil. You're not trying to remove feelings and live this emotionless, automaton, great faith life. But you do have to understand that feelings are not the primary way that you perceive or understand what's going on. Amen? Because you're going to have times when storms hit your feelings. There can be a storm of oppression. There can be a storm of depression or sadness, sadness or hopelessness or Anger. You ever walked into a room after people were just arguing? How many of you can feel strife? You can feel it. How many of you will try to get on you? It really will. It, it will it, the emotions are catchy. They're like water, man. They'll, 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 they'll splash over onto you. And so I say all that, you know, feelings are great, man. They're awesome. But you don't want your feelings dominating your life. A lot of the problems that we have in the world right now is people's trying to funnel everything to, through the way they feel. You know, they're, they're not looking at facts. They're not looking at truth. They're not looking at reality. You know, I feel offended at that. And so because that's the way I feel, then I'm going to be upset at that. I'm going to attack that. And, you know, just because somebody feels a certain way, once again, does not mean that it's true, right? And so a part of, the, the, of you taking a stand and, and a part of you... Uh, you know, warring and fighting the good fight of faith is, is recognizing that your feelings aren't always reality. Can I get an amen? And I'll give you an example of this, and I say this all the time too because I think it's the clearest example. There's two primary ways to fly a plane. They have instrument flying and sight flying. Sight flying is what someone does on a beautiful, sunny day. They can look out the window, just like you drive your car. How many of you drive your car through sight flying? Not flying, not sight flying, but you drive your car primarily through sight, Right? But how many know there are times when a pilot is so surrounded by storm clouds or by clouds that they can't fly according to sight? They've got to fly according to something actually more accurate, which are the instruments. Instrument flying is more accurate than sight flying because how many know your eyes can tell lies? What you see isn't always what it is. And so, you know, i got a friend that's getting his pilot's license right now, and he's got his sight-flying license right now, but then he wants to graduate and get his instrument license because that's like the next level. Um, on a, if you only have your sight-flying license, you can only fly when, when, when everything's perfect, right? How many of everything's often not perfect? So you're probably not going to be flying much if that's the only way you fly, right? 
And so how many know that, that we, that our, so, so that being said, how many know there are times when you have to instrument fly? What are you talking about? I'm talking about the scriptures. I'm talking about the word of God. I'm talking about truth. Truth says I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, whether I feel like it or not. Truth says God is my healer, whether I feel like it or not. Truth says God is faithful, whether I feel like it or not. Truth says, truth says, truth says, there are times when you gotta, you got to fly with the instruments, you got to fly with truth. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Quite often, and that's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight, because what you see and feel isn't always what's real. You know, I always you know, tell Stacy about this. There are times when I'm preaching when it feels great. And there are times when I'm preaching or teaching and it feels awful. But when I go back and listen to, to the sermons, um, my feelings are pretty irrelevant because it, sometimes it doesn't feel good, but the content's actually really good. But, and so the issue isn't how I feel. The issue is, is truth. Can't get an amen. And so I want you to understand that A, fiery darts, B, the way you feel, right? Don't allow those things to determine the direction of your life. Now, the primary, the primary way, that's why we gird up our loins with truth. We have the belt of truth. Primary way is Scripture, amen? Scripture is, is your reality. Rightly divided, can I get an amen? Uh, uh, rightly divided, the, the letter kills, the, but the Spirit gives life. But the Scriptures are going to help you are really going to help you understand what's real and what's not real. Amen? Um, but then the next thing you want is you want the leading of the Spirit. Can I get an amen? How many of the Spirit of God will lead you and unction you to do or say certain things or not say, just like when I was talking about the refs. As I stepped over the line when I was talking to the ref, down here, God was like, uh-uh, he's up now, right? What's, that? what's happening? The way I feel is not what I need to be doing. Are y'all tracking me here? Because I felt like, you know, just really <laughs> yelling at this ref and telling him how bad he was, right? But how I many you know God loves the ref, and he loves the ref just as much as he loves me? And how I many you know I'm a representative of Jesus Christ in the earth? Everybody there knows I'm a preacher. I'm not cussing the guy out or anything like that. I'm not doing, I've never done that. I've never done that. But I have gotten mad and said things that I shouldn't have said. But the Spirit of God reigned me back in. So the truth of the Scriptures, amen, and then the leading of the Spirit will help keep us you know, on the right path because how many of you know there are days when you can't sight fly your life? You got days like that. And, and in those days, man, you really got to trust in the Lord, amen? Now, thank God for when your emotions line up and you do feel good. Can I get an Amen. I tell you one thing to help you, that's praying in the Spirit. You know, if, I, if I'm really struggling and having one of those, if I can just get off and pray for a little bit, usually all that bad emotion a lot of times will evaporate, right? And I'll kind of get back online, depending upon what type of, of, of attack the enemy's got going on. So, but anyway, let's, let's go to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3, and, and we, we talked about this last week, but I really want to revisit it. I just want this to be a part of your life. I want this to be a part of you. I want you to have this that you can use on your daily life. So this isn't just like a sermon or a message, but like Monday, you can be empowered to use this truth to help you. So um, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, 
and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Y'all seeing that? Now, what we looked at last week was just the power of the obedience of Christ. Notice it doesn't say bring every thought captive, every thought into captivity to, to your obedience. Amen. And that's a lot of times that's how we've been taught under legalism, you know. Well, my problem is I just need to obey more. My problem is I see, if I'd have had that attitude at, at the game the other day when I was getting upset at the refs, I mean, you know, oh, I, I said that, I shouldn't have said that. See, look, there, look at me, I'm I'm disobeying, look at me, I'm I'm so bad. And now not only did I make a mistake, now I'm mad at myself for making a mistake and I feel condemned. You know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna take it out on my son, I'm gonna take it out on my wife, I'm gonna take it out on people in traffic because I am condemned because of my own mistake. I mean, the best thing I can do in that type of scenario is get my eyes off of Jeremiah 100% and put my eyes on Jesus. And remember, it's his obedience, not my obedience, that's the difference. Can I get an amen? You know, and so, but it says bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, um, how many know Christ had a perfect obedience? And so what's happened is through the finished work of the cross, that obedience has been imputed to you. It's been given to you as a gift. What's that obedience? It's called the righteousness of God. Uh, that, that righteousness, that right standing, yeah, that, you know, the word is tiskanu um, in, in the Hebrew. And um, it, it means that your nature is one with the nature of God and you're the righteousness of God. Jesus' obedience has been given to you. It's the only way you can get to heaven. How many of you know that, that man's obedience and the filthy rags of man's righteousness is not enough? Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, the scribes and Pharisees, they were hardcore. They were tithing mint, ruse, and anise, and wearing long robes, and you know, preaching two-hour sermons, and they were doing all this stuff, but all of, their, all of their focus was on themselves. And Jesus said, man can't do this. Man's obedience isn't enough. If there's anything the Old Covenant's proven to us and the law's proven to us, is this is true. But how many know Jesus' obedience is perfect? Everybody say perfect. Okay, so now that's been given to you. So now we want to use this in our warfare. Because here comes the fiery dart, and it hits, and I have to make a decision what I'm going to do with it. How many know if I don't do anything with the weeds, they're just going to continue to grow? If I don't do anything with the temptation and I don't remove it and take it captive to the obedience of Christ, how many know it's just going to grow? If I don't do anything with the worry, it's just going to grow. If I don't do anything with the fear, it's just going to grow. You know, if you look at any field on earth that is untreated and unaffected, how many know the weeds are flourishing in that field? Since the fall of man, there's a, there's a curse, you know, there's a curse on the earth and the weeds are going to flourish, right? So we have to do something. How many of we have to tend our garden? We have to tend our mind. We have to take authority over these things. But what we don't want to do is do it according to our own righteousness or our own obedience. Amen? And so what I've done is, and I talked about this last week, but I just wanted, to, I wanted desperately to give you a visual um, that was just going to help you, man, to, to, um, to be able to handle what's coming against you. Because I want to give you something practical. Take bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Okay? Once again, Christ's obedience is perfect, right? So what I want to do is I want to use Jesus's obedience to help me win the war of my mind. 
I'm going to say that again. I want to use Jesus' obedience to help me win the war of my mind. We want to use Jesus' obedience to help us win the war. Because without His obedience, the war will not be won. And we'll be in the corner thinking we're noseless, righteousless, healthless, blessless, having nothing, when in reality the enemy is unable to steal anything from us without our permission. How many know if you believe a lie that it has power over you? Amen. The two primary ways that a fiery dart works is number one, and really they all kind of link into the same. How many know temptation is an attack against your identity? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're a born-again child of God. You're one with the Lord. How many know you don't want bad things? You don't. No, you don't. Your flesh does. The carnal mind does. But you don't. And you have to understand, it's you and the Lord together against the flesh. Man-made religion muddies the water and makes you think that it's, it's you and the devil together, and then God's mad at both of you. But it's not actually how it is. It's you and the Lord together against the, the carnal mind, against the flesh. And so, when temptation comes, it's an attack against your identity. Are y'all tracking me? You know, when God set me free from drug addiction, He set me free from drug addiction as the product of my identity. Once I realized that I'm not a drug addict, I'm a child of God, the enemy lost sway over me. Are y'all tracking me here? See, and so your, your victory is in, is in your identity in Christ. And so when the enemy shoots a fiery dart, it's an attack against your identity. He's trying to say, look at you, you're just an angry person. Look at you, you're just a lustful person. Look at you, you're just a liar. Look at you, you're just a thief. Look at you, 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 you. But he doesn't come from the third person, he comes from the first person. He's got you saying it about you. And if you are agreeing with him, instead of extinguishing the fiery dart, you're actually fanning the flame, and it's trying to, it's trying to envelope your mind and bring into your life a false identity. How many know there are believers who are wrapped up in addiction? Why are they wrapped up in addiction? They're wrapped up in addiction because they believe the wrong things about themselves. They're actually embracing a lie. How many of you know it's not true? How many of you know when the prodigal son came back to the father, he was convinced he wasn't worthy to be a son? How many of you know he never stopped being a son? The whole point of the father's message to him is you're still a son. You're, you're not created to eat pig slop. You know, you're not created to live in the gutter. That's not you. You know, and I love this example too. How many know a beautiful butterfly can land on a cow patty? <laughs> but how many know just because it lands on the cow patty doesn't mean it becomes the cow patty? So you may have some moments where you landed on some stuff, but how many know that stuff is not who you are? Can you get an amen? And what the gospel is going to do is it's going to bring you back to your identity. It's going to bring you back to who you are. And it's going to be you and God together resisting the temptation because the temptation is to get you to believe you're something you're not. Are y'all tracking me here? And, and so that's the, the fiery dart is an attack against identity. And then how many know it's also an attack against God's identity? When, when, when the accusation comes, when the condemnation comes, the enemy works overtime to try to get you to believe that God's not good. That's his primary attack. His primary attack against Adam and Eve, primary attack against us. If God was really good, then why did this happen? If God was really good, then why did that happen? 
You know, you mess that up, God's mad at you. God's angry with you. God's ready to curse you. God's ready to punish you. Now, how many of you know that is an attack against God's identity? How many of you know God revealed in His Son that He's not that type of God? Can you get an amen? You know, how many of you know we're not still living in the Old Covenant? The Old Covenant operating according to a different covenant. It was based on our faithfulness. When we messed up, the righteous, just thing to happen is that curse would come. We agreed to that on Mount Sinai. They agreed to that, right? So God said, I found fault with that covenant because I can't be good to you all the time because you make so many mistakes. So now I'm going to put you in Jesus so I can be good to you all the time even when you do make mistakes. And when you do make mistakes, you see my faithfulness and my love and it's going to cause you to fall in love more with me. Your mistakes will turn into worship. You know, when the woman, the woman that walked in and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried it with her hair, how I many you know all her disobedience was just funneled into a place of worship? This woman fell in love with God so much, she didn't care what anybody thought about her. She didn't care what anybody said about her. She's going to bust into a room full of Pharisees and worship Jesus in a way that King David didn't, Solomon didn't. No one had ever worshipped him like that before because her, her disobedience had been spun into a pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Are you tracking me here? So God has the ability to cause even your failures to serve you in the new covenant, can I get an amen? He's made it to where it's so beautiful and it's so powerful. So that being said, what I want to do is I want to empower you in such a way that you have a visual on, on how to, com to combat this, right? And I talked about it last week, but how many know in the week ahead, you got fiery darts that are coming? How many of Emmy's already probably got laid out some fiery darts for you? They may be temptation, they may be condemnation, they may be, or it may be just adding fuel to a stronghold that's already been built, which I had talked about that last week. You know, I had a real stronghold of unworthiness built in me as a result of my, of my childhood. You know, just, you know, we, we, you know, just, it was strong. And so there was this, this stronghold in my mind. You're just not as good as other people. You know, you're just not, you know, there's just something wrong with you. You follow me? And so, the Lord has helped me tear that stronghold down. Now, it's, it's always still trying to come back. Like, you know, it, he, one thing, the devil's an idiot, but he's relentless. You know, like he never stops. Like he doesn't take time off. He's always coming, right? And, and so he's still trying to, uh, to, to bring back that stronghold in my mind that I'm not worthy, Right? And see, what I can't do is try to combat that by trying to make myself worthy. If I try to make myself worthy, I've, I'm suckered into a fight I can't win. How many of you know Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness by the devil, he never fought him? He just said, it is written, it is written, it is written. Guarantee you his emotions were going crazy in that time. Guarantee you he felt... And the enemy was trying to get him to prove himself, and Jesus refused to do it. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. Can I get an amen? You have to prove yourself to another human being. You have to prove yourself to God. Can I get an amen? Your worth has been established in Jesus eternally. So don't, when the devil knocks, don't answer the door. Send Jesus to get the door. He'll get the door for you. He will, man. He will. And so what we want it, we win through Christ. We don't win through through ourselves, right? And so when when that stronghold is there, I just gotta wrap my arms around my Savior and say, you know what, I am worthy. Because you made me worthy. 
And so rather than that developing that confidence developing into some type of arrogance or competition with other people, I recognize that it's the Lord's goodness and kindness and, and to where now I'm just grateful and thankful for what He's done and I don't try to establish my own righteousness and I don't develop self-righteousness and all of these things. Don't let the enemy sucker you into a worthiness battle. Amen. The Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. Is, how many know you laid all your old identity down anyway? Amen. How many know your, your identity is now in Him? Can I get an amen? Okay. So here comes the fiery dart, right? See if I can successfully strike a match. Now, fiery dart, what does that mean? That means that the point that it hits is going to cause damage. But the primary purpose is that it will, that, that fire is going to come out and try to to wrap your mind in temptation or fear. Jeez, it won't even stay on. <laughs> See, devil, you... Oh, it will. Um, it, the, the purpose of it is that, so that it's going to spread, right? And going to try to bring about something in your life that's not good or try to, try to build a stronghold in your life, amen? And so when that fiery dart comes... I just want you to be like, you know, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This pot is filled with water. So as soon as this match hits the water, it immediately gets extinguished, distinguished, right? How many know this pot could put out all these matches? Correct? Easily. Now, how many know this pot is not big enough to truly demonstrate the obedience of Christ? How I many you know Christ's obedience is bigger than the Pacific Ocean, bigger than the Atlantic Ocean, bigger than a billion planets filled with oceans? The obedience of Christ is that powerful. So the obedience of Christ has the ability to put out every fiery dart the enemy will ever shoot at you because the obedience of Christ is finished. How I many you know this pot is finished? Like it's a, it, it's a done deal. It's finished. It, the, it, it, it's finished. And so when he said it was finished, it was. But how many know we need to take his obedience and war with it? We need to take his obedience and fight the good fight of faith with it. Don't try to establish your standing before God or, or, or get the enemy to sucker you into trying to prove your worth. Let Jesus handle it. Let Jesus handle it. Let Jesus handle it. So when the fiery dart comes, when the thought comes... I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I mean this in a practical sense. Would you do this for me on Monday? On Tuesday? Right? How many know if you don't take authority over these thoughts, they're just going to grow into a bonfire in your mind and a wildfire that can't be controlled? That's what happens to people when they have a nervous breakdown. That's what happens to people... When, when worry is overwhelmed them so much that they're so frazzled is what's happening is they're not controlling their thoughts. And their thoughts are crazy. And so they don't know how to control their thoughts. <clears throat> so what happens a lot of times to us these days is we'll try to control our, our thoughts through entertainment. I'll find a movie. I'll, I'll binge a TV show. Nothing wrong with TV shows and movies. Nothing wrong with them. But... You can't escape spiritual warfare through distraction. You can't escape spiritual warfare through distraction. Or I'll find a game on my phone. You know, I don't feel like dealing with all these fiery darts that are hitting me, so I'm just going to look at something else. I mean, just because I'm looking at something else doesn't mean there's still not a fire raging in my mind of worry or fear or anger or offense. 
or whatever, or temptation, right? This is something that we do. He did the obedience, but we've got to take the thoughts captive. Don't allow the enemy to rule your thoughts. Amen? Don't, don't allow him to do that. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So, there you are. Let's say you're about to, to go for a promotion on your job, right? So you're about to go for a promotion on your job, and you know, you're, you're, you know, you've been in this place for a while, and you're ready to do it. And here comes the thought in your mind. Here comes the, the fiery dart that says, you know, you're not, you're not worthy of it. You know, you're not good enough for that. You're not like those people. How many know you need to take that thought and make it captive to the obedience of Christ? Take that thought captive. Or let's say you're going to go back to school and get your degree or something like that. And you're going to shoot it. Well, you're too old for that. Well, you're not smart enough for that. How many know you've got to take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ? Remember, you deserve what Jesus deserves. Are y'all tracking me here? Or you're going to go, you know, try to buy a home or something like that, you know, and it's like, oh, you're, you know, you can't do this. You know, no one in your family's ever owned a home before or, or whatever. There's just a million different things. You're not good enough, whatever. Take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I dare say we'd all agree that the obedience of Christ is very powerful and effective. Would we not? Well, let's use it um, to our advantage so that we can fight the good fight of faith and we can shut the enemy down, you know? And so, but you can't just leave it alone. It must be addressed, amen? And so, you know, like for example, going back to the analogy of my yard, now that I'm, you know, actively trying to get rid of all these weeds, I'm actively trying to do it. So now I'm more aware of it. When I see a weed, I say, oh, I see you, man. You know, I'm going to take you out. And so now... How many know we need to gird up the loins of our mind? We can't just let... One of the reasons the world is in such a state of deception is we have, we, we've, we've believed what the screens have told us. We're talking about, I'm talking about television, I'm talking about social media, I'm talking about all the YouTube and videos and all this type of stuff. We have a generation of people that haven't been taught how to think. We, we, we have people who've been taught how to regurgitate what's been placed on the inside of them. And how I many know we've got to take back our own minds? How I many know we got to do the same thing that for our kids as well? we got to teach our kids how to think. You know, just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it's cool. How I many you know if everybody's doing it, it's probably stupid. It's probably dumber than a, than, than, than a box of rocks if everybody's doing it. Amen? I mean, it's just the truth. But, but we, have to take, we have to take back this right here. Amen? You know, and you may have had a season where you're just like tired and just wore out and you've allowed some weeds to grow. You've allowed some fiery darts to develop. But the beauty of it is the obedience of Christ is right here waiting on you. All you got to do is take that thought captive and recognize. And a part of the thing you do is you realize that's not my thought. That's not who I am. That's the primary battle right there. That's not who I am. Adam failed that battle. He took Adam and Eve, they took a hood, line, and cigar. The enemy said, if you do this, you'll be like God. I mean, oh, they were already like God. They were God's kids. He came to Jesus and he presented the same attack. If you be the son of God, then do this. Jesus never took the bait. He never performed for the devil. He never tried to establish his worth. 
And you know what carried him through that temptation? Because in the River Jordan, when he was baptized, before he had committed one miracle, before he'd done one, one, preached one sermon, he'd spent 30 years being a nobody. And when he came up out of the River Jordan, the Lord God Almighty, his father said, that's my beloved, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus began his mission knowing he was pleasing to his father. Jesus began his ministry knowing that he was loved by his father. You tracking me here? That's the found, That's your starting place. Amen. You are loved. Can I get an amen? You are well pleasing to God. But Jeremiah, everything I do is not pleasing. I know not everything you do is not pleasing. But you are hidden with Christ, and your life is now in Christ. And God has given you an unbreakable covenant, and He's placed you inside of His Son. He said, "I'm pleased with you. I love you. You are my child." Can I get an amen? That's your starting point, and that's why Jesus could go to the enemy's temptation and not perform for the enemy. How many of you know the enemy used Scripture to try to get him to perform? If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, right? How many of you know the enemy will use Scripture? He'll twist it, but he'll still try to use it, right? But our part is to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Amen? And... and in, in Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 16, you guys don't have to turn there, I'm going to read it to you. But it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Shield of faith. Faith in what? Amen? What's the shield of faith? Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Faith in, Je- faith in Jesus' finished work. Every part of the armor of God is Jesus. Amen. Breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, sword of the Spirit. All of that comes from the Lord. So your faith should be in Jesus. Can I get an an amen here? Allowing your faith to be in Jesus. Strong faith in Jesus. What does that mean? That means that I'm the righteousness of God. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. um, And I'm a child of God and I'm loved by God. And so anything that attacks that identity, we, we take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And we take them captive, and we take them captive, and we take them captive. Now, here's the thing. And this is something else you don't, you don't want to get caught up and get into legalistic works concerning this. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Where all you're doing, take that thought captive, take that thought captive, take that thought captive, and you just turn into a weirdo. Okay? You don't want that. You don't want that. Most of... You, the, 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 the shield of faith quenching the fire darts of the wicked one is simply a focus on Jesus. Uh, man, Jesus was enough. I'm forgiven. Are y'all tracking me here? That's your primary. That's your focus. <clears throat> Legalism and the enemy always tries to make you focus on yourself. Am I good enough? You know, am I a good enough wife? Am I a good enough husband? Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough dad? Am I, am I, am I, am I? Look, if we all weigh ourselves in the balances, we're coming up wanting. All of us are. We're not the one that's weighing the balances. Jesus is. Are y'all tracking me here? He's going to live his life through you. You can't do it in your own. You can't do it in your own strength. So don't, don't get legalistic about taking thoughts captive because if you do that, then it's not going to be good for you. But just put your attention and your focus on the Lord. Say what God said about you. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your number one 
weaponized attack against the enemy. Remember last week we looked at it, and I'll just read it to you. But we looked at in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 7, it says, The weapons of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. You say what God said about you. You should be daily affirming the fact that you're the righteousness of God. Really, you should. Out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You know, when we were on our way uh, to Ethan's game uh, on Saturday, I was really tired. Like, I was really tired, and I was just, I, my feelings were crazy. And, uh, and we, you know, we had some music going. I said, and I told him, I said, hey, man, just give me just a little bit, because I need to pray in the Spirit for a little bit, and I need to speak the Word for a little bit. And now, now how many you know, there's a couple of things that's happening. You know, number one, I'm getting my attention and my focus back on the Lord. I'm using the sword of the Spirit. I'm saying what God is. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The blessing of Abraham is on my life, is on my family. Angels protect us and keep us safe, praying in the Spirit, speaking out the Word. And so what I'm doing is I'm getting my focus back on the Lord. And at the same time, I'm actually teaching my son spiritual warfare. This is rubber meets the road stuff. You know, how many of Christianity is not a performance? Can I get an amen? It, it should work in the home. It should work in the house, right? But as I did it, by the time I got to the game, I was refreshed. I was strengthened. Um, I was ready to support him and to support the other you know, players that were on the team. But I had to take a moment and I had to get my attention correct. Now, did something weird happen that day? Not at all. We actually had a great day. But how many know the enemy will still try to attack you on great days? Sunny days, beautiful days, days when everything seems great, the enemy will try to shoot a little fiery dart in there. Or, you know, how many know you can just wake up one day and you don't even feel saved? Seriously. Your feelings, you just cannot trust your feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. But I took a moment. And I begin to say what God has said about me. How many know we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? We've got to say, say it, man. Say it, say it, say it. Get your attention back. Get your focus on, on the Lord and on who you are in Christ. Amen? And in doing that, your, your, your perspective gets better. And then, and then certainly we take, we take thoughts captive as well. Uh, those, those, both those things. So you definitely want to, you know, and I shared this a while back when I was uh, hanging lights on my house for Christmas. While I was doing it, man, the enemy was trying to convince me I was going to fall off my house and break my leg. Like, it was constant. It was just like, you're going to break your leg, you're going to break it. But he, it, was, it was like, I'm going to break my leg. And then how many, he'll shoot, yeah, man, he'll shoot an image in your mind of you breaking your leg. What's happened? What's he trying to do? He's trying to cause fear to bring forth a reality in my life that's contrary to the promises of God. But how many know what I got to do? I got to take authority over fear. I got to take, I'm buying that fear and, and I speak what God has said. No, he's given his angels charge over me. They keep me in all of my ways. They protect me. I'm safe. I'm protected. How many know I don't want to be on the roof of my house scared? I need to take care of fear because the fear is more dangerous than the slope of the roof. Because if I allow fear to come in and run me, then how many know it's just a matter of time before what I'm afraid of happens? Let's take it into another area of you know, being afraid of rejection. How many know if you're, if you're afraid of rejection, you're constantly thinking about rejection, how many know what's happening is 
is, is the enemy's trying to bring that reality into your life. No, no, no. We say what God has said. We say, no, I'm accepted in the beloved. Are y'all tracking me here? How many know there is a fight? Now, I'm not, I'm fighting to enter into the place of rest. And I took a stand against fear that whole time, but I'm fighting to enter into the place of rest. When I was driving to Lexington going to his game, I'm entering into a place of rest. And by the time I got there, I was super energized. Like, what, what happened? How many of the Bible says when you wait upon the Lord that you'll renew your strength as eagles and you'll run and not be weary, you'll walk and not faint? Can I get an amen? If you know that word renew means to change. What was happening was I was in Jeremiah's strength. That's not enough. I needed to change and plug into God's strength. And I did. And man, when I was at the game, I was just super, I was energized to the point where I was like, did I drink coffee? <laughs> you know, like, that. what happened to me? But what happened was I stepped into that gift that, that God had given just by saying what God has said. Are y'all tracking me here? See, we, we don't want to have this dart quenching, beautiful power in our, with us and never use it. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I spent 14 years unaware of how powerful the obedience of Christ was. You know who I was focused on? My obedience. And if I'm focused on my obedience, it's not really a faith thing. It becomes a, a debt and a wage thing. Like I'm trying to bring God in debt to me. That's what all legalism is. I try to be good enough to make God owe me. And if I'm good enough, then God owes me and He's going to give me what I deserve. Well, if, that, if that's your attitude, you're going to be really disappointed because you're not going to get anything from the Lord because you're, we're frustrating grace. I mean, it's a gift. You know, if Brian's going to give me a gift and you know, he's going to give me something, a watch or something like that, and I come up to him and say, man, you know, I, I just need to... You know, I'm gonna come by your place, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna clean your car, and I'm gonna clean, I'm gonna try to earn this watch from you. And I, you know, I've clocked three hours this week, and I'm gonna clock six hours next week, and I'm gonna try to earn this watch. How I many that is so insulting to him as my friend to think that I can buy a gift from him? How I many you know it slips out of being a gift and it turns into a wage? And when I get it, I'm not thankful to Brian. I'm thankful to me because I did it. I deserved it. I earned it. And that's why legalism produces pride, and it's so ugly. It is, man. And so we don't want that. We want to stay focused on Jesus, focused on the Word, and, and, and allow Him to become and, and to use this beautiful obedience that He's given to us. So anyway, with all that, we're closing. But what I want to do is I, just, I want to give you an opportunity to actually do this. Take a moment and think about what's the number one lie the enemy hits you with. Think about it for a minute. What's the number one lie that he hits you with? For some people, you know, I think different people get hit with different things. Some people get hit with health stuff a lot more than other people do. Like they're worried about their health or they're worried about dying or something like that. Then other people... The one thing the enemy tries to hit him with is financial stuff. You know, you're not going to have enough money. You're not going to be able to pay your bills. You know, financial ruin is coming. Or for other people, it might be the enemy tries to hit him with their kids or their grandkids or whatever, or temptation, financial lack, whatever. But whatever the enemy tries to hit you with, I want you to think about it. Amen? And then I'm going to give you a match. 
and then I want you to strike that match, think about the lie, and then I just want you to say, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ and put it out. Are y'all tracking me here? To give you um, an act, something that you can actually do. So we're going to set this up. Right here. This is the obedience of Christ. <laughs> Here's your matches. No, that's cool. We're just going to do it from right here. No, we can stay live. I just don't want to put it on camera. And I just want you to come over here and do it. I want you to think about that lie. And then I want to strike that match and then just drop it in there and hear it extinguish. So the Bible says that the shield of faith will quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. See, once you submit that lie to the obedience of Christ, it loses its power. Once you submit that lie to the obedience of Christ, it loses its power. See, some people have been told they're ugly their whole life. Kids may have made fun of you. People may have said it to you. Teachers, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever. How many of y'all, that's a lie? Can I get an amen? That lie needs to be taken and submitted to the obedience of Christ because it needs to be extinguished. Are you tracking me here? Or, you know, you're, you're not good enough or you're not worth any of these things. And I just want you to just come on up, man. Strike that thing and give yourself a visual so that you'll have something to work with in the days ahead. Now, you don't have to say out loud what it is, but I do want you to say, as you strike it, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ and drop it in there because I want to give you, I want to give you a visual. So come on up here, guys. Make a line real quick. I know this is unorthodox. Somebody's got to be first. Yes, please. And, and, and just go ahead and do it, man, because like this is an empowerment for you. This is something that God has given you. Just think about that lie. Think about what it is. Strike the match. Drop it in and say, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And then bam, it's out. Amen? Amen. And just think about it. Because, you know, how many know some lies from the enemy can torment you? I mean torment. That's what fire does. It torments. Amen? And we don't want that. We don't want the, the torment. We want, you know, the, there, there's such an empowerment. You know, and those of you that are watching online, I mean, I would encourage you to do the same thing. If you can get a visual and you can get something that, that, that you're actually doing, um, it's going to help you to fight that battle. It's going to help you um, to overcome. This is what I've been doing in my own personal life. You know, when the enemy's been trying to come in and stuff like that, I've been, I've been no, nope, I take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And then drop that thing in, and it's extinguished. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. And, and use this in the weeks ahead. You know, use this. This is an empowerment to you. This is a... Um, this is something that God has given to you. Amen. I know I had a hard time striking the match too. <laughs> Amen. 
Praise God. But you know, and, and I know it's unusual, and I know it's a little bit different, but how I many know sometimes you need to do something a little bit out of the box in order to kind of kind of wake you up? We do have another box of matches as well. We have several of them if that one's not striking that well anymore. Yes. No, no, you can keep audio. No one's talking about what they're dealing with. They're just saying their stuff. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Because, you know, this is, a, this is an empowerment. Yeah, like I said, those of you that are watching online, I'd encourage you to do this, you know. Give yourself a visual. Give yourself something. Uh, because the challenging thing about a thought is it's intangible. Anybody ever had uh, somebody shoot a um, Nerf gun at you before in the little Nerf dart? Like if I walked in and I had a Nerf dart hanging out the side of the three or four, man, you, yeah, someone would come up and like, hey, man, you need to get that off. But how many you know thoughts aren't like that? You can't see a thought. It's an intangible. And what happens is this exercise gives you something tangible that you can do in order to, to take authority over those thoughts. Because how many you know a, a, a thought from the enemy is way more powerful than a Nerf gun dart? Yet you can see a Nerf gun dart. You follow me? And what we don't want to do is we, we just don't want this for ourselves. We don't want this for our families. You know, and one of the things the enemy will try to do is he'll try to take a lie <clears throat> that's been going on in your life and he'll try to pass it on to your kids. You ever notice how addiction will try to run in families? Depression will try to run in families. Suicide will try to run in families. All of these things. And, and, and what happens is when you... When you make a decision to break that in your life, how do you know it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to have impact on your kids? My kids aren't going to have to deal with the same stuff that I dealt with because it was broken in my life. Are y'all tracking me here? You know, strongholds will be something that tries to run in families. Strongholds of poverty, strongholds of unworthiness, strongholds of not being good enough. Are you, you following me? And, and this is something that the Lord has given to us to, to, to empower us, amen? Tim, what we're doing is we're taking a match. Oh, you were watching? Oh, okay, all right, good. good. Then you know what's up, cool. Amen, yes, amen. So, so because, you know, in the days ahead, there, there's gonna be battle, there's gonna be challenges, but you're, you're not alone, amen? The Lord has, has he's empowered you with Jesus' obedience, Amen. Jesus' obedience is, is powerful. But how I many you know there's also a place of just being aware of these things? Are you tracking me? Once again, like, how I many you know if I never did anything with any of the weeds in my yard and I was, had no awareness of that, then those things would just grow like crazy. Amen? And uh, that's not something that we want to do. Amen? So, amen. Uh, Isaiah 54, and we close. Last place we go this morning. Did you guys get anything out of this today? You guys enjoy this, Amen. I, I really think it's awesome, man. I've really, it's really blessed me personally. Um, but it says in Isaiah fifty four seventeen, and you know we talk about this all the time. But uh, it says, "No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn." This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is for me. The thing. <laughs> that nullifies the enemy's ability to attack us is that right standing that's been given to us. That is what Jesus' obedience is. His right standing has been given to you as a gift. We want to use it. We want to, uh, we want to condemn the condemner. We don't want to allow the enemy to have any type of foothold 
in our lives, in the lives of our children, um, and, and anywhere, amen? We want to completely remove that, 100%, amen? All right, cool. So you might have anything to 